This is the I Read Comic Books Podcast. I am your host, Mike Rappin, and with me this week is one person, because we're doing a special little mini-sode this week, Nick White. Hey. Nick, I'm so glad that you're on the show. I'm so glad that we're doing this little mini-sode. I know that with Passover and Easter this weekend, we had some scheduling conflicts, but this week we're here to talk about one specific comic, because this is a fun mini-sode. We're talking about Ice Cream Man, Volume 1. I know you and I went back and forth on a bunch of books that we could talk about for this mini-sode, but we settled on Ice Cream Man. What are your thoughts on this? Let's just dive right into it. Full spoilers for Ice Cream Man, Volume 1. That's issues 1 through 4. What's going on, Nick? So, so this book has been kicked around on a couple best of lists here and there and um, mm-hmm. I know a couple listeners of the show have plugged it on occasion and so naturally hearing all of that you know made me go well, well gosh I've got to make sure I like I don't know never ever touch this book because uh, you know that's just my <laughs> mentality of uh, if you make recommendations right. I'm only going to like bury it only further but um, that being said still uh, there was so much talk about it and, and so much uh, so many comparisons to Twilight Zone, um, Gideon Falls, um, things along those lines, Twin Peaks. So I said, okay, mm-hmm. this looks kind of interesting. Um, I'm I'm familiar with Martin Morazzo, who did the art. He did the art for Snowfall, and I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah. And so I said, okay, let's let's give this a try. And um, despite not really knowing much about W. Maxwell Prince. I uh, said, let's let's just give this a give this a go, and I was morbidly surprised. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, W. Maxwell Prince did a book that I deeply loved um, a short while back. This is in 2016. is is a small little one off book from Image called One Week in the Library, and that book just floored me because it was such an interesting little just I don't know. It was just a weird little story about the magics that exist inside of this library in this story. And I don't I don't know what it was. I was super drawn in and to see him on this Ice Cream Man book, it made me pick up number one. And I I read it. I was really creeped out and I was like, I'm gonna wait for the trade on this one. And I did and honestly I think it paid off. Like this this first volume was super killer. And again, I also read Snowfall and that kind of drew me in. Like this is a really interesting team of folks that are kind of on the periphery of comics, I think, in some ways, because I haven't seen a lot of their work, but I know that the stuff that I had read from them was really good. So coming into this book, I had a little bit of higher expectations, and all in all, I wanna say that it paid off because holy crap, this was the craziest little four-issue series that I've read. I mean, that's not the whole series, but four-issue volume that I've read in a little while because I'm not really a big fan of horror. I think we've talked about that many times on the show, but this book really did a good job of creeping me the hell out without like going too far with all the kind of stuff that you would expect from a series that's in the horror or thriller or creepy genre, whatever you want to call that, right? I mean, I, I don't know what your thoughts were, but I felt like every issue was a good... There was a good shutter moment for me. <laughs> yeah, no, it sort of avoids a lot of the cliches and the sort of obligatory checklist that tends to be part and parcel with horror and the horror genre. And that's not to say that yeah. other people haven't found ways of subverting that and 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 ways of um, sort of breaking through all of those those cliches. But I think that this is just another perfect example of something that's sort of unnerving and weird, and it's more it's more weird than it is scary. I would say. Yeah, yeah, and and, I agree and with also that. to your earlier point, I would say that this is one of those few books that I think really 
you could read it month to month, and for the most part, you really wouldn't be lost. And I think that that is the sort of thing that's missing in comics these days. Um, sure. That's not to say, oh, serialization is bad, but sometimes it's nice to break away from that, I guess. So, um, well, I mean, compared to bigger stories, like if you look at an East of West, right? Let's let's talk about the <laughs> biggest perpetrator of this problem that I think you're pointing sure. out. A story that is so heavy with the narrative that if you missed a month or you took too long between ish between reading issues or you know even just reading trade to trade, there's so much story that you kind of have to keep track in your head right. that it becomes overwhelming, and that's where binging books like that really really works. You know that's why you've got your CUs or you go and you get an image sale or you pick up all the trades at your Barnes and Noble or your comic shop and you just binge the series. Whereas with Ice Cream Man. This feels like an anthology that has a higher level narrative, but honestly, you could read any of the issues one off, and I don't think you'd be lost. I think it doesn't matter what order you read the issues, you honestly could still get a really good story out of it, and none of it would be would fall out of place. And I think there's a little bit of like this issue comes after that issue. Like obviously it's serialized for a reason. But I I was thinking like when I was writing my notes for this was, you know, what if I read these issues out of order? What if someone gave them to me blindly and just said, no numbers, just read the issue? Um, would I still get the same feeling? Would I still feel like I understood the same story? Even with issue number four kind of starting down the track of a more narrative like story, like a higher, more involved part of the narrative, mm -hmm. I still think with the one-off nature of this series, um, each issue is its own self-contained little, like like you said, Twilight Zone kind of thing where you've just got this weird thing that's happening in this singular town. And I mean... That's, I don't even want to get started on that because I, I have so much to say about how much I enjoyed the idea of all these weird things happening in this not-so-weird town. I thought that was like one of the smartest points of this. But, but again, to the, to the point that I was originally talking about, you know, I think uh, reading this book and not having to follow it so closely, like, you don't feel lost every month. Like Each issue would easily feel like you didn't miss out on anything. You didn't really need to remember anything, like other than the ice cream man, right? <laughs> He's the consistency throughout the whole series. And I mean, let's. Where do you want to go with this, Nick? Because I've got a million points that I want to make, but I'll shut up now, so you can you can talk a little bit. Sure. Uh, well, to just just sort of hop on the coattails of your last comment, I, I I do think it is really great that, and this is such a rare situation, really, that if you truly thoroughly enjoyed a singular issue of this. You can go give it to someone, um, no strings attached, and, and they can probably get like 90, probably 90% of the same enjoyment that you got out of it. And I think that that's something totally. that's super freaking rare in comics. Um, yeah. But yeah, to. I know to, that like Maxwell's Demons over at Vault Comics, I know that was one of their big things. When we had, when we had Dennis Camp on for his interview way, way, way back, his thing was like each issue is supposed to be standalone, but if you read them all together, you get the bigger payoff. Um, and I, I think that that's pretty true about this series as well. And I'd, I almost love to just get in the head of Maxwell Prince or W. Maxwell Prince to ask him if that's what he was going with. But anyway, sorry, I interrupted your point. No, 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 that's fine. Um,. But yeah, I, I don't know. Do you want to sort of approach this from a, the overarching structure of it? Or do we want to talk about the issues blow by blow? Or what, what were you thinking would be an effective way of sort of tackling this insanity? Let's go issue by issue. Let's go issue by issue. Because I think that's the most straightforward way to get through this. And for those people at home that did read this volume going into this episode, I think that'd be super helpful. 
Yeah. Okay. So, um, issue one does sort of lead off with Ice Cream Man himself, right? And this is sort of something I discussed yeah. before on a, on an earlier episode. I think, like, last week's episode, in fact. And um, you have a bunch of kids waiting in line to get ice cream. Most of them have parents with them. And we have this one kid who is by himself. Mm-hmm. And he gets ice cream, and he begins to walk home. And as I said last time, maybe especially in this um, helicopter parenting, potentially over-parenting generation, we start to notice all of these different signs that were like, well, maybe in the 70s this would be okay, but like, you know, in the 2000-whatevers now, uh, you know, geez, it's getting kind of dark, like, isn't there supposed to be, like, an adult around? He's going into a house where the lights aren't on, the mail's piled up, nobody seems to be home. Um, I mean, you should say, like, things are definitely, they seem innocuous. Like, they don't seem too bad until he starts to walk through his house. Right. Then it gets a bit weird. And, I mean, kids that have pet spiders, I mean, I guess there's nothing wrong with that. Except for that just really creeps me out because this kid seems very young to have a tarantula-esque pet spider. And, I mean, the thing you didn't point out is that as this kid is walking home after getting his ice cream... (laughs) There's like this narration kind of going on about It's very like spiders. David Attenborough, like <laughs> Blue Planet sort yeah. of, you know. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, narration about spiders, which like, I think they keep referring to it as a spider, but that motherfucker's got to be a tarantula, right? Like, so It's something like that. It's I don't think like tarantulas are a specific species, but it's like one of those bigger spiders that you only hope you only see on a screen or from a very far distance in yeah. a zoo. Like, it's not a spider that you want to hang out with as far as I'm concerned. I mean, yeah, most spiders, like, if, people if don't really want to hang out with like, spiders. Is but. well-versed in like arachnid tax, you know, taxonomy or whatever it's called. Um, apologies, but... uh um <laughs> so yeah you have this story there, and it just us. gets more and more unnerving and then yeah he he finally goes into the kitchen and we find both of his parents um very much dead uh yeah yeah and and this is where the horror element started. Like I think the thing that I appreciate the most about this this volume was that it could have leaned really heavily into like some of the more gorier and nastier stuff um, that usually accompanies stories like this. And I didn't feel like I didn't feel like there was any moment where the imagery was what was weirding me out. I think it was always the scenario which was weird, weirding me out. And the kid plays it off like he doesn't notice that anything's going wrong like gee mom and dad like you really need to go shopping like i'm down to going out and getting ice cream and yeah um and things like that and uh it's simultaneously like wow that's fucked up and uh well that's also kind of morbidly funny um yeah and i i think that that makes it even more bizarre and and like for me it set off this really like internal debate for the rest of the issue of like either one this kid is like really dumb and sure maybe doesn't know how to fully take care of himself and hasn't really put everything together or he's in denial or like how much of this is maliciously done by this kid Right. Mm -hmm. So like because we've all seen the narrative horror trope of like the evil little seven year old who is channeling Satan on the down low and, uh, you know, kills mom and dad. 
uh, to bring right. back the Dark Overlord 666, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, well, and this book doesn't really traverse into that territory because we cut from this scene to two detectives who are discussing, they're talking to an old woman who has a cat skeleton in her purse that we find out. Some monster has sucked the skin and all the organs off of this cat. And she's like, so, you know, it's out in the forest. I mean, I don't know. There's a lot of just really fun little weird things that are happening, which remind me of almost like... I want to say Twin Peaks, but not really, because Twin Peaks is a whole different level of weird and terrifying, I guess. But, you know, we find out that these detectives, they're looking into, uh, or they get assigned to look into these two missing folks um, who happen to be the parents of this kid, Mr. and Mrs. McAllister, um, which I'm guessing is a subtle reference to um, Home Alone, (laughs) or I just assume McAllister is just, you know, the name that they went with. But I thought that that was kind of a, a funny little thing. So as they're going to look into this, you know, they find the spider, they find the kid, I realize I'm trying. I'm like flying through this episode, but we don't need to go through the beat by beat, panel by panel of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although, um, although I, I, I would say one of the more interesting or or morbid points is that we, we do encounter the ice cream man again mm-hmm. in the woods, and all of his clothes are really torn up, and right. He also magically summons ice cream out of nowhere to give to this kid. So it's like, what yeah. sort of weird fucking powers do we have? But also, I think. God, I want to say later in the issue, they all but confirm that he he's the one who ate the cat, right? It's not initially yes. when the boy finds him in the woods, but it's later. Right, and so later, you know, later in the issue, yeah, we do dis- we do find this monster of some kind. It looks like a werewolf, looks like a Bigfoot, it's got a lot of weird crazy teeth it looks like a low um, rent werewolf is what it looks like yeah yeah and the werewolf thing it gets bit by the kid's spider like a lot of moving parts happening in this issue and then it just ends and not in like a in a bad way but it it it, it keeps this idea of wanting more like the cliffhanger is very interesting and in that they're playing out this idea that there is so much more to this little little village or city or whatever to discover um which drove me right into following into issue two like i i can't believe you stopped at issue one knowing that you had the rest of the issues at hand because when i read <laughs> it i was like oh shit what the fuck is going on here yeah yeah you're like okay so at the end you sort of understand that maybe more of these issues are going to be this intersection of multiple narratives but also you're left with this just concerning idea about the the ice cream man of like yeah what what are you like what right and and really we don't get any answers to that like the next issue doesn't even follow up on it because the next issue if I recall correctly, is all about the two characters who like are addicted to heroin, and we're hearing this whole tragic story about this woman, how she's trying to leave, and I mean, Nick, go ahead, go ahead. I know you've got more notes on it than I do. Yeah, so one of the interesting things I noticed about this book is that at the beginning of every issue, there's sort of like a kaleidoscopic, kaleidoscopic page, this graphical page, um, and it's always ice cream cones, but they're always um, surrounded by another element, which sort of tips you off on what the issue is going to be about. And so for issue two, it's pills and syringes. So already you're like, mm-hmm. okay, drugs. Um, yeah. And yeah, you, you, you basically have this pair of individuals who are, um, I, th- I think it's intimated that it's heroin, that uh, um, the, the man oh, yeah. is sort of suffering from heroin withdrawal and his, I don't know if they say that it's it's husband and wife or, or girlfriend and boyfriend or whatever. but Regardless, yeah. But she decides that she's going to go out 
and go get them a score, basically, and, and sort of, you know, get things back on track, so to speak. Um, and it's it's marvelously written. You have this crazy stream of consciousness writing going on. Um, w. Maxwell Prince does an amazing job at being able to like hone in and tap into these different voices and and, and tones. And it's just written like with like very few capital letters, very little punctuation, um, and you just sort of. Uh, you know, she just repeats over and over again, you know, and, you know, to, to this guy, you know, it just breaks my heart in three to see you like this, but I already said that, didn't I? And she just keeps going on and on. And, um, you have this terrible Does moment it- where like, like all of the panels in the house are just very, very desaturated grays and blues. And then you have a, you know, quote unquote, look at this photograph moment where she picks up a picture of what the two of them used to look like. And the photo is very vibrant and all of the colors pop and you all of a sudden realize that the two people in that picture are the two people that you've been seeing strung out on the couch with, you know, syringes and, and pills on the table, and you're like, oh my god, like, this is, this used to be them, holy shit, drugs not even once, bitch, and, um... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you, there's something to be said there about, you know, Ice Cream Man's colorist, um... Chris O'Halloran, like, holy cow, like, the dude did a very good job at, at making sure you felt the scene every single time, you know? When we're in the decrepit house in issue one, when you're you're in the decrepit house in issue two, I don't know if that's a theme, um, but, yeah. like, it, as soon as they start to do flashbacks, like, the color work is really interesting when we start to see, you know, the ice cream man, whenever he's on screen, seems to be colored more brightly than everything else around him, um, yeah. even in something as simple as sitting in his ice cream truck. Um, and, in fact, I mean, his ice cream truck is very vibrant too because we find out that this woman her name is karen she when she goes out to do the bad thing to get the good thing which is her like mantra near the end of the issue um she ends up stealing the ice cream man's truck and i mean i'm getting a little bit ahead of where you were but uh that's that becomes a whole thing yeah yeah it's um it's it's really sad you know you get to see sort of their progression you know, in terms of, you know, having to score a bigger high and score another bigger high. And Morazzo, Martin Morazzo does such a fantastic job in a lot of these flashbacks, all of which are like done in like a very, like very grayish, just dark gray. Um, he does such a great job of depicting the toll that the drugs take, you know, physically on the on this main two. You see the visible changes as the flashbacks go mm-hmm. on with their hair and their skin um, and uh, just, just their physical appearance. Um, and you know, right. she says, and as you know, they go from, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, she says, I felt so bad, but when you need a fix, you'll do anything. I swear, the worst things, including pawning a lady's oxygen take tank, and you're like, oh wow, this <laughs> yeah. is like, this is fucked up. Um, oh yeah. But then you bounce over to the other side of town, and you've got this couple who are sort of lamenting the restrictions or limitations of, of their own physical bodies, too, but those restrictions are largely due to age. They're senior citizens. It's a much more bright and colorful-looking um, environment. Um, but these this couple is also coping with the issues that accompany using drugs, except we're talking over-the-counter drugs, because the husband is... Um, I think recovering from like spine surgery and he says, you know, the drugs are putting me on like I can't, you know, I'm as high as a fucking kite and I can't actually, you know, try to get out and do rehab or recover because I'm on all of these drugs. And so there's an, yeah, there's some interesting yeah. parallels there, right? 
Yeah, I was. I really thought that that was like a strange left turn for the story to take, right? Because we follow this narrative of Karen and Jimbo, and then we cut directly to this older couple. And I, I was really baffled, but I, I realize now that that is all playing together in that when you're thinking about the two different types of drugs, are they really that different? Clever commentary on the opioid crisis, I guess. Right, um, yeah. <laughs> that I didn't pick up, I guess. And And then, of course, as you said, Karen gets the truck... And ends up, you know, flying across town like crazy, debating all of these different plans. You know, she talks about how she might rob a bank, but she's never robbed a bank before. And maybe she'll rob an ATM, even though I don't know how you do that. And uh, eventually, quite literally, collides with the other story, um, T-boning this elderly couple's car. And, I mean, it just shows you uh, just how um, powerful addiction can be that she hits them realizes mm-hmm. that she has more than likely killed someone still tries to rob the surviving person before yeah. shooting that person and then running away and yeah that's that's crazy um yeah and and of course the final ending pages of this issue are the ice cream man finding this woman karen and he's waiting uh, for her at her house yes exactly exactly she gets back to the house and she offers him or he offers her i should say this ultimate score to basically say this is the best thing you've ever had it's the purest heroin you've ever had he says um, yeah it, it makes what you've been doing look like um microwave dinners yeah 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 is his line it, yeah and of course, then we get our detectives back. We get uh, from the previous issue, um, Jolly O'Juan and <laughs> Detective Briggs. I don't think we got a first name for him, um, but uh, I say it's it's Jolly O. They also call her Five V because her first name has all five ver- vowels in it. Yep. Which <laughs> I was like, that's a strange thing. But okay, we'll move on because that nickname is never used again. Um, that I could catch or maybe i maybe i missed it and just glanced over it but the the detectives show up and they see that these two these two characters uh jim and karen they have overdosed on this heroin and it's it's like a mystery like where did they get it how did you know what what's the deal um because it seems to me that there's this implication that these characters like uh detective juan and detective briggs they're kind of the base level for the for the town right they're the people that are trying to recognize normal meanwhile all these abnormal and supernatural things are happening around them and they're trying to find logical reasons to explain them but with a character like this ice cream man who is seemingly all powerful and is here to just screw with the city or something i don't really know um and we don't really know we don't discover that by the end of this volume really but he's here and he's causing all this crazy stuff to happen i mean the little boy in the first issue having the spider that's just happenstance i guess but uh the him him ignoring things i think is part of the ice cream man's influence right Um, and we can get into more of that later but i just thought that you know it's i like the idea that the two detectives are kind of the baseline to understand normalcy in the city because it seems to me that this city wasn't strange until the ice cream man showed up and where that what that means and where that's going we you know we we follow that a little bit more in the next two issues but i'm really curious we should we should move on. We should continue to talk about the issues. I'll, we can talk yeah, about our yeah, summarized I, I, I thoughts I would say later. there's one final note at the sort of the end of issue two that I do find kind of curious that shapes things, I think, as we go down the road. And that's that, one, Mirazzo does such a good job of, like, framing the initial discovery of the ice cream man's van as if it almost sort of, like, appeal, appears out of nowhere in front of her. So, of course, yeah. I was kind yeah. of led to wonder, like, 
Was the ice cream man totally intending on her, like, basically setting her up so that she used it? And then when she comes back to the house and they're discussing her wrecking the van, ice cream man says to her, don't worry about it. I've got plenty, which is a very weird line to me. And it's like, really? You're just rolling around with tons of these? Um, Or is it more like the ice cream you have and you're able to just materialize these things out of nowhere? So I found that very odd. And and it just only adds to this further mystery of of who he is and what he can do and what he's about. But, um, yeah, issue three, the kaleidoscope effect is music notes and guitars. So you have Mm -hmm. sort of a kickoff there and you're following a 60s band called Bud Hickey and the Rockets. Uh, they look very much aesthetically and, and era-wise like we're dealing with like a 1960s Beatles sort of thing. Um, I do believe he talks. Yeah, it's about... kind of like Go kind ahead. of like the uh, the <laughs> the 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 song that. Oh man, I'm blanking on all this stuff. Um, from Back this... to the Future, it kind of reminds me of Back to the Future, right? As uh, the the character that's creating this like rockabilly style. 50s late 50s era music and he created this one hit wonder like bud hickey we we meet bud hickey in his adult age in the in the modern time where he's this old man who has lost everything but it turns out he was a one-hit wonder and i realized i kind of jumped on that but i thought there was like this weird analogy to to uh back to the future when i first started the issue and it turns out i was totally wrong because the issue goes in a completely different direction that i not sure that i liked but i'm not sure that i dislike so go ahead nick yeah, I, I would say that this is the issue that I'm either unsure whether I liked it or not, or unsure what I was supposed to take away from it in some ways. But yeah, obviously you have this issue that's sort of an exploration of, of what happens like creatively when you've you've had this big hit and he talks about, I think the song's called what, Rock and Roll All the Time, I think. <laughs> yeah, and honestly it works. It totally works for what that era of music was. <laughs> Right, and he, it, I enjoyed it, that. it's a huge hit. It gets translated into 15 languages. He talks about how he, he had to go into the studio and record all of these, learn all these different languages. I think he says, like, I had to learn Portuguese so people could sing it in Lisbon or something like that. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. he has a massive hit. And, of course, inevitably, you know, the way that these things work, um, he's now um, older. We find out it was a one-hit wonder. He's an alcoholic. He goes to this cheap greasy spoon diner every day uh he lost his family his house is shit etc 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 um and of course he's lamenting the fact that he was never able to to follow it up and you know Mm -hmm. right on cue here comes ice cream man pushing his cart into the diner where bud presently sits which is a real fucking alpha move considering like the health inspector would be like hey like you know you can't bring in outside food um you know that's naturally where my mind went sure okay yeah and, let's uh, get into the logistics of the fda in this fucking yeah, small that's, weird that's supernatural town and, uh, <laughs> and then let's he proceeds that to like further, yeah. sell him ice cream in a restaurant that isn't even his own so it's like wow mm-hmm. like you know this guy's got balls on him um so it's interesting because he, um, the guy turns to him, to Ice Cream Man, and he goes, oh, Rick, that's your name, right? And Ice Cream Man goes, well, that's one of them. And I'm like, buddy, like, try to even hide the fact that you're some evil mystical demon or whatever bullshit. He's, like, yeah. not even trying. He's like, yeah, that's one of mine. The other one's Beelzebub. Uh, no. Um, <laughs> Ice Cream Man's like, man, I don't even care about hiding how much of a weird-ass freak I am. Like, I, it doesn't matter to me. 
Um, right, you want some ice cream? <laughs> yeah, here's a free ice cream. And of course, it's like a the most sinister face you could have as he hands over this ice cream. And we watch Bud walk home, which has a really interesting callback. I don't know if you saw that. There's a missing cat poster on one of the... Oh, I didn't see that. I didn't po- see that. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And he goes home and he starts hearing music coming from his basement. Um, please note that the musical notes that you see coming from the basement, those are the original musical notes that you see coming from Ice Cream Man's truck. You see them a couple yep. other times as well. I think yep. they're eighth notes in red, yellow, and blue, I believe. Um, yeah. So, of course, he opens up the door and he enters into this fucking insane epic fantasy dreamscape basically yes <laughs> it feels like someone who lived through the 60s and 70s basically fell into a fantasy world a la something like die right like i, I don't mean to directly compare this to a book that's not even related to this but it, it feels like take all the ideas that you would have about cool sci-fi as well as you know overarching organizations that would come out of something of like a 50s or 60s spy novel yeah and- it feels like david bowie space epic narrative sort of shit yeah. which is fitting because well, eventually he, we'll which, quite literally have ziggy stardust yeah, himself we, go ahead mike sorry yeah and we you know no we meet these characters that are representations of characters from songs so we meet rocky Rac- raccoon we yep. meet ziggy stardust we meet eleanor rigby eleanor rigby <laughs> she there was a small little line that she had about how father mckenzie had been killed in this war or whatever yeah. that they're fighting and i was like oh my like it was again and this is where i was kind of like on the on the like tipping point for this issue because i was like this is so fucking on the nose but at the same time it didn't feel super overplayed it didn't feel like we spent this whole time like de- developing all these weird characters they're just kind of like one-off throwaway things because they don't play into the bigger narrative they're kind of just in jokes for people that maybe listen right. to music from that major era tom i thought that control. was fun yeah yeah and major tom like, I mean, again bowie the beatles they're all re- they're represented here um and it fits like these are massive successes from that time when you know, Bud Bud could have actually made something of himself. If he had been beyond the one-hit wonder, he would have been important, and he could have been among these, you know, characters. And yet, he failed because he only could create the one song, and he says it in the issue. He couldn't think of something beyond rock and roll all the time. And even, even the follow-up, like, the whole narrative kind of is based around bud coming into this world and he's the savior he's the person that's going to fix everything with the second song that he's going to write and and honestly this dude is just on like a massive head trip like whatever the ice cream man gave him has put him out of the world i, I don't know yeah and i i like that idea and it, it's funny because the second like song that he follows up seems to be almost identical to rock and oh, roll dude, all the time like, i think it's exactly the same like my yeah. i think that's sort of one of the interesting interpretive points where it's like what do you see happening here and i do love the fact that they're like well you know you did follow up on that song right and he's like i did try to follow up on it and they're like yeah he's like it was called rock and roll all the time part two and i was like oh buddy (laughs) buddy come on i mean people people have done that though that's the thing oh sure i I like that like that this was kind of like a slap in the face to like old music um while also celebrating in a weird way um and yeah, it was such a such a strange issue, and again, I was I was torn. I think on this specific issue because I didn't know how like don't like forget the yellow submarine I felt that if, they fly around into. Yeah, the big yeah 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 yeah. Yeah, it's and, so and, yeah you you have him appear in this world, and he's supposed to be this chosen one. I think they call him the hit maker, and <laughs> yeah. he's supposed to. 
use basically it's 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 fucking like tenacious d or whatever at this point it's like use the power of rock to fight or whatever and uh that's all i could think of and um so i i think if 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 you were expecting this to traverse like a normal narrative arc would be of course he he finds the power to fight and he gets inspired and he writes a new song and he wakes up the next day and he writes this song and money fame and fortune come his way and the sun sets and everyone's happy blah 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 but of course this is ice cream man and so i saw it as him struggling to come up with a new song inevitably more or less just playing his old song and just never coming up with anything new and it's you know ice cream man i don't know if you consider what happened to gift i consider it sort of ice cream man fucking with him or or taunting with him that you know this yeah this could have been you or 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 alternatively you know look look at me look how nice i am i gave you an opportunity and you blew it or look at me i gave you a brand new framework in which to view your failure (laughs) yeah i i took it as you know the end of the issue ends with this submarine up in the sky right and that's the biggest thing how do you read that and so my thought, my my thought was maybe it is real. Maybe there's something beyond this this mortal realm that this guy lives in. But seeing the previous two issues, like isn't this all? Is this all supposed to be like a like a leprechaun kind of situation where you get your wish but something terrible happens? You know, I I, I really wasn't sure what to take away from that. And I I have to say that I appreciate that idea of maybe something good can happen here you know we haven't seen follow-up on any of the stories so far maybe we will see follow-up in future volumes maybe we'll see like the ramifications of these things in future volumes like in the background well i think four hints at exactly what you're talking about yeah and i and and that's kind of what i was getting to as we as we get into the fourth issue you know we start we open on this this guy who was preparing to give a eulogy his name is joel and he's talking with his wife i'm guessing and he's not sure about going to this thing because he hasn't spoken to the guy who had recently passed in like two years so he's given the eulogy for his friend chris who has passed away and from there the story kind of continues in this Honestly, the strangest, trippiest thing, all things considered, in the last three issues, the strangest issue by far in the volume. Oh, Lord. And what's crazy is that literally most of that takes place over, like, two pages. And despite that, those two pages outweigh all of the fucking insane shit that's led up to it. Like, Mm -hmm. even the book sort of tongue-in-cheek goes, and now it's time for, a like, what, deeply disturbing interlude? And I'm like, ha, 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 like, look at me. I'm a, de- uh, you know, I grew up in America. I'm a desensitized youth. Show, bring your worst. And like two pages later, later, I was like, all right, not sleeping tonight. That's cool. Peace out. Um, Yeah. What so the fuck we, did we I get, just we see? Get, we get Joel at this eulogy. Like he gives the eulogy. It seems like it goes over really well. And we meet Chris's dad. So Chris was this musical genius and he passed too early. He passed from an overdose, right? Is that what that was? I don't... At first, they made it sound like it was suicide, but I think the only other real... He looks young, right? Because we do see yeah, him eventually. Yeah. Minor spoilers. Um, but Full spoilers. We're fully I, spoiling I, I missed, I, that's, that's the joke, obviously. <laughs> the whole rest of this is spoilers. Yeah. Um, they intimate at one point um, that he was sick and neither the dad nor the friend really knew about it. And I think that's the extent to which we really know details. That's right. It. Okay. That's okay. That's true. Um, 
Sorry, yeah, I, I keep getting, I'm, I have foggy memories, these two guys from, the guy from issue two, Jim and Chris, I keep getting them swapped in my head, I don't know why. Um, but Joel ends up going out with Chris's dad, they have this discussion, and it, it leads in, it goes in a really weird direction, um, which I, I thought was an interesting way to tell this story of Joel, he's, he's not, she's like his wife is pregnant, they have a kid coming, um, and... Right, because uh, yeah, they, they have a kid. He's coming, sort of struggling and, with the anxieties of what being a parent will be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, and it, and he asks Chris's dad, who apparently ran out on Chris when he was young. You know, why did you do that? What what was what made you want to do that? Because you know what, I think I might want to do that. And I thought right. that was a, like totally out of left field. But like, what a way to tell this story about the fear of being a parent by having two characters, like a, a soon to be parent and a parent who ditched his whole family and has been in and out of his kid's life to to have this conversation and. You know, Chris's dad talks about how he went out and he joined a commune and he was a hippie and like he it was all about free love, man. Uh, another you know throwback to the late sixties and seventies, but or early seventies. But like, yeah, things get really strange as we see just sporadically throughout the issue. We get these little boxes of red saying, "Wait, what's going on here?" And no explanation. Sorry, you just don't. You got to keep reading the story, bud. Um, what the fuck was going on? Like, I, I was totally baffled as to what was happening. Like, flipping back and forth through pages, asking myself, like, did I miss something? Was there a panel that I just didn't right. read correctly? And it's like, Same. no, dude, you just got to build up to the end of this issue where we're going to reveal everything, and it's going to be awful. <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> his dad's like, oh, you know, I, I wish I could have hugged my son one last time as they're driving from the bar, and uh, Joel goes, you know, hey... What if you could? And I'm like, oh, fuck, no. Fuck, yeah. no. Fuck, no, no, I, no. I I, like, I genuinely thought we were going to get into like some weird necromancy stuff. <laughs> dude, same. Same. So they end up going to the, to the cemetery, and the body hasn't been buried yet, so they open up this kid's casket, <sighs> and they pull out his dead body, and his dad hugs him, but we get this cut. I'll let you describe it, Nick. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, first off, this whole, like, hug moment, like, uh, honestly, W. Maxwell Prince is great at, like, nailing these moments that are just two-tone emotions where you're just vacillating between, oh, is this heartfelt and sentimental? Or is this, like, fucking cute and also, I mean, not cute, but, like, is it heartfelt and sentimental? Or is this, like, fucking crazy and and probably illegal? Um, yeah, yeah. Like, it's like, wh- how am I supposed to take this? And well, I mean, especially given Joel's face when he says that, he's like, how would you feel if you could do that one more time? Like, there was something he, It's sinister. like a fucking eureka moment face, like the light bulb went on, and I'm like, no. Yeah, it was <laughs> terrifying. Terrifying moment. And I mean, we get these two pages in between. I mean, the, <laughs> I don't know how to describe it, because we get the reveal as to what these like little red splotches or little red boxes are, like, hey, wait, why is it changing? What's happening who's, who's to me? Saying Where these am things? I? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who's saying these things? And we cut to what I can only assume is Chris in this hell landscape, like this truly demented landscape where his death or torture or wherever he is, is happening and it's changing and it's repeating and he keeps getting killed or like tortured or something in all these different ways and no explanation. This is just happening from panel to panel and I honestly have to credit... Um, I really have to credit Martin Morazzo and Chris O'Halloran for 
putting these things together in simple one page or one panel spreads that are just they raise so many questions and we get we get no answers like and there were so many things to study in that in those few pages and panels like what's actually going on here we get that co- common phrase that we've seen throughout the whole issue and we did, I haven't brought it up until now but the ice cream man's thing is don't worry like he'll he'll say something comma lickety split like that's yep. his whole thing like two scoops lickety split and we get a panel where there's this horrible melting monster that said he says this whole paragraph of, or little bit of text and his last line is lickety split big questions here big questions because yeah, we saw this monster good. we in the first issue right we saw this werewolf monster and that's the ice cream man question mark um was the ice cream man just a regular dude who turned into this monster is there something else because in the first issue you know the little kid who uh had the pet spider asks hey you're here says hey you're the ice cream man and the guy looks down at himself in torn clothing and he says you're i guess i am like what happened did was there some monster that just showed up some demon inheriting this body like so many unanswered questions in this volume. I mean, I mean, we're not finished with the issue, issue four, but holy cow, there's so much that happens in like these two pages that open up a thousand more questions in my head. Like I needed to read volume two, but I told myself I wouldn't spoil this this uh, episode with with reading further on in the series. Yeah, it's it's just crazy. Like you 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 find out that Chris has ended up in this this locale that I think is called the Sweet Place. Something. I believe is I don't know. I think that's what it's referred to, and I was like, "No, this is the bad place. Oh, this is the bad place." <laughs> and yeah, yeah, you you have these panels of like him, like he's like strapped to a wheel where skeletons that are wearing the ice cream man's hat are like beating him with feathers, and there's another where like a bunch of dogs are wearing like surgery scrubs, and they appear to be mm-hmm. vivisecting Chris, and it's like, what the fuck? Like, we are in all caps town now. Like, things are crazy. <laughs> uh, Nick's notes are just all caps from here on out, by the way. <laughs> yeah, all my notes just go all caps because I'm like, what is what is this? And so, yeah, you like, it, it, it only further begs this question of, like, what is the intent and what are, like, the limitations of the ice cream man? Like, is he just yeah. human? Well, issue one suggests, well, no, he also can transform. And issue three suggests he can worm his way into people's dreams or visions. And and four is, like, he what? He's he got his own fully functioning uh, afterlife of sorts that he controls? Like, it's, like, a real Something. big question of, like, what... Like where 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 like where, what are the solid limitations for this guy? <laughs> because yeah. with each issue, it's like, well, um, m- maybe there aren't limitations on this guy. Like he's just he's like you know bordering on on being a god, you know. Right, and the the final pages of this volume, you know, yeah. at least of the story, you know, they they bring in this new character. We see the ice cream man in his truck. And he's sitting and just kind of being an ice cream man. And a man in all black, a cowboy, if you must. He's wearing a cowboy hat, so we call him a cowboy. He walks up and he says to the ice cream man, like, I know what you're doing to this town and I don't like it. And the ice cream man... I imagine they wouldn't like to find out either or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And the ice cream man looks visually, like, scared. And he calls him Caleb. He calls this character Caleb. And that's, that's where the issue ends. Like, 
that's the end of the volume. Like, what the heck? Like, so many questions unanswered. Like, I like I said, I had to resist diving into volume two. There were so many things that I wanted to know. I wanted to follow up on. And if the series continues to tell these stories and little narratives, like as they're building a bigger plot, like I'm totally fine with that. I love these little one-off things. These one-off stories about the strange things happening in this town totally draws me in. I love being able to just pick up an issue and not really have to worry about too much about what happened in the previous issues in order to keep reading. I mean, we kind of talked about it already, but this this volume is so effective in keeping you hooked issue after issue, page after page. I was really, really impressed by it. Yeah, 4 ends on an interesting moment where I kind of start to wonder if the book is pivoting more towards... Um, the mythology of the ice cream man starting to take front and center, and 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 I don't think that's what will happen. I think when you look at the bread and butter structure of these four issues, it would be pretty foolhardy to abandon that. Yep. But I do believe that there might be more of an interesting focus, or at least more of a stretched out um focus on on this apparently ice cream man's brother who uh, Ice Cream Man appears to be very afraid of. Mm -hmm. And um, I think in kind of a way, like, Ice Cream Man's brother is supposed to be, like, the cool older dude, right? You know, because he's, like, like a cowboy. (laughs) And now all of a sudden, like, this other dude is, like, a lame-ass 1950s, looks like a, you know, knock-off good humor man sort of Mm -hmm. uh, character. And I love how you see sort of the, the brim of his hat cast this shadow over his eyes like a mask and like he's just got this absolutely fucking terrified look on his face and you're like who is this other guy like because clearly i mean one would assume he's he's um he's pretty powerful too or or something like that something like that i mean that's that's all the more reason to continue reading right like reading volume two is probably what i'm gonna do in the next week just just because, like, that's such a cool way to end a volume. Yeah, it's 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 amazing, and like I said, like I still think one of the best features of this series is that, much like Twilight Zone, all of these the all of these issues are largely their 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 meditations on different things, from um, coping with fame and failure to um, dealing with drug addiction. Um, you know when your parents die because would your be pet about spider being a parent got out. And, and and dealing with loss <laughs> and and one yeah. is largely about what happens when you let your kid um when you compromise and you think you're smart by not letting your kid get a puppy and you land on something else which inevitably brings about your uh, <laughs> untimely demise so i mean sure, issue right. one That's, is just really was... a long lesson about you know um not not compromising for shit like spiders and gerbils and 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 uh and pets like that and just you know just yeah. just go get the puppy um yeah i mean the the my summation thoughts because we really are running out of tape i told nick we'd only record for like a half hour we're coming close to an hour here but you know the thing i really enjoyed is that this series never nails anything down about anyone or anything like it really keeps everything aloof um there's no rules or limitations that we've seen so far outside of you know this is real life to a certain extent except for when you're the ice cream man and you know everything is 
every issue has been about discovering the world and the characters bit by bit. We never really see too much continuity outside of the two detectives, um, you know, Detective Juan and Detective uh, Briggs. And even then, like what we get to know about them is very, very little. And I'm okay with that. I think discovery in this way and the way that this narrative is being told in like a non-linear fashion sort of like it's telling multiple points that end up somewhere where those points all intersect. We're not sure, but we do know that the commonality is the character of the ice cream man. Um, I honestly, it was just impressed with how like sucked in I got on this book. I mean, there was some hype behind it because I'd heard, you know, Brian was reading it and he told me it was really good and Nick was talking about it last week and I was like, yeah, let's let's dive into this book. But by the time I got to issue three, there's like, there's no stopping. I'm finishing this volume in this sitting. It's that good. Um, and I think it helps that, again, like I said before, you know, we never get into the overly gory or sexual or weird, like super horror tropes that usually plague books like this um, where you feel just grossed out by looking at it or like the the ideas in it nothing in this book was so over overwhelming that i felt like i had to stop or i had to like take a breather um, i mean everything doing drugs was, doesn't still doesn't you know th- this book still doesn't make doing drugs look appealing let's be clear but yeah yeah yeah, yeah I no mean, i mean and i think it, it approaches these like these horrors in a way that doesn't feel super overwhelming like i think overwhelming is the key yeah. word yeah or gratuitous that's that's the better word um i i felt in, like I felt like I was creeped out enough that uh, it was like, ooh, that's really weird. And then I moved on and I kept reading the book because it doesn't focus on that. It doesn't keep bringing you back to the same um, like gross moments if they do exist in this series. Um, yeah. I really appreciated that. And it helps that like issue three is kind of way out there zany after number two is really dark. I mean, I, I think that was a really smart point on there. Uh, for the for the creators here to say we're going to do this really dark real issue and then the next issue is kind of going to be a little bit more out there and zany spacey um, that was yeah I, like yeah, two is like yeah. very much like this is the monster that is addiction a very real uh topical monster followed by this mm-hmm. you know just zany loopy um just escape basically and and i mean if, if there was sort of a big settling final point that i would say like wow um like my hat is completely off to this team but especially like martin morazzo because if we got his name right there um because like i can't even imagine what it must have been like when um he's like okay so what 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 do you want me to draw for this book like is this like space or is this like real life and and i'm sure w maxwell prince was like well basically it's just going to be you drawing everything like any like like this book is going to be everything (laughs) Yeah, like anything and a lot everything. of opportunities. Yeah, and I think that that's might might have been one of the draws to work on this book. You know, was the opportunity to draw so many very different things. Like we're gonna do monsters, we're gonna do animals, we're gonna do people, we're gonna do space adventures, fantasy we're gonna space do- epic that basically could be its own book. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Follow. I'd like to see follow up on that, if only just to see what other fun, goofy things they could play with in that world. But again, if they don't ever visit it, I won't feel like I lost much because. It just adds to this huge universe um, yeah. that that W. Maxwell Prince is creating in order to tell this really creepy story about this ice cream man character. Yeah, totally. So, Nick, what are your what are your final thoughts on this? You're going to keep reading the book. I think I've made it very clear that I'm going to. But I wonder, like, how do you feel about this book? Is this one that you're looking forward to 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 check out in the future? Yeah, I've I've already got volume two, and I'm sitting on it, and I'm definitely probably going to be reading that 
Definitely, probably. Nice one, Nick. Um, I'm definitely going to be reading that real soon. Mm-hmm. I'm really interested to see where this goes, because as I said, the book doesn't as much end on a plot cliffhanger as it sort of ends on kind of like a tonal cliffhanger in terms of, like, is this book going to shift more towards this relationship between the two or are we going to are like are we being sort of teased at the end by this idea that it could get into that, but really we're just going to be slowly um, handed out little morsels as as um, arc two goes on. We're going to slowly learn um, the nature of the relationship between these two, which which I think yeah. is probably what we're going to get. And I am interested yeah. to see more of this subtle world building, like I said, with the. Um, with the missing cat poster that shows up in in issue three that clearly is a reflection of issue one or the detectives Mm -hmm. that were introduced introduced to in issue one that come back um to the addict's house in issue two i'm 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 interested to see more of that world building and i would encourage most people um that are just genuinely just interested in comics to read this i don't think there's a big genre barrier here um, I don't think there's a fear factor here or a gore factor here that I would say, um, you know, to stay away from. I, I, I would argue the fact that um, it does tackle some pretty um, sensitive topics mm-hmm. for some people. Uh, but But that would be the only thing where I would say, like, at least be aware that this book does sort of handle some weighty issues. From, like, yeah. child abandonment to addiction to everything in between. Yeah, I, I totally agree there. I think, you know, obviously, after we've already spoiled the entire book, um, <laughs> you, I, I think it's worth a read. I, I genuinely think it is. And I think if you're going to get into it, you know, get it, get volume two. Um, it's, it's seriously solid comic that I think has gone under the radar for some folks. You know, it's it's an out there kind of strange comic. But, man, oh, man, does it pay off. I think it... It super works if you're looking for something that's an anthology-ish comic, right? This isn't just, like, completely independent. It's it's an anthology that builds in the same universe. And I don't know of many other comics that do that, or at least if they do do it, they don't do it as well. Um, but, yeah, so I guess, uh, Nick, I want to thank you for putting, you know, working with me to put this together this week. I know with our schedule snafus, um, we've kind of been all over the place, but we're getting there. Episode 200 is going to be massive, folks. I hope you're excited. So I want to say you know thanks nick again um you can follow both of us on the internet you can follow nick at death star plans you can follow me at mike rappin and you can follow the show at ircb podcast where i post all sorts of stuff when i'm not traveling all the time i promise the twitter account is active um and we post some cool stuff we follow a lot of fun people and i try to retweet some things that need you know eyes on it because people make really cool comics out there that probably fly under your radar so make sure to follow us on twitter and instagram um where i try to post things pretty often uh you can also check out our goodreads group at goodreads.com where if you just search i read comic books we're pretty much the first goodreads group since we're super duper active we've got like 550 or so members i i don't know the exact number but we do weekly threads we do our book of the month thing that shows up here every other month and uh this week we had a huge thread every hero needs a good villain and people are just on there talking about heroes and villains you know that's a thing it's a big thing in comic books you can go to ircbpodcast.com where we have links to our merch links to all of our zines you can check out our pronunciation guide for when we butcher names and then we try to fix that by giving you the english way to say someone's name or at least the, i don't know midwest way to say things because that's just where a lot of us live um and yeah it's 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 a pretty cool website we like it a lot please rate and subscribe tell your friends about the show share the show if you haven't rated 
why not? It helps us. Go get on Stitcher. Go get on Apple Podcasts. Um, maybe when you give five stars to your Uber driver, tell him to give five stars to our show. See how well that goes over. Yeah. <laughs> Please go ahead and email our show if you have comments, questions, jokes, anything in between. That's at ircb at destroythesibe.org. And we would love it if you would subscribe on Patreon. You can do that over at patreon.com forward slash IRCB podcast. That's for exclusive audio and articles. You get access to our Discord, which has really, really been a hit with a lot of people. I'll tell you, it's, uh, it's, it's going over really well. And you get access to our top of the pile posts um, and, and so much more that we've got planned, including Mike's uh, Doom Patrol series. Yeah, me and Paul, we, oh man, this Doom Patrol series is fantastic. I'm, I love it. I'm so excited to keep reading and talking about it. Uh, Infinity Shred is the best. They are, like, honestly one of the coolest bands. You can check out their music at infinityshred.com or you can check out their music on Bandcamp. Just search for Infinity Shred. Xander is a very fun guy who also edits the show. He's a wizard and just a genuinely nice person. I want to say thanks to Nick. Thank you to all the listeners out there. And honestly, thank you to everyone who's contributed and helped our show in some way, shape, or form. Sending us an email, rating us on iTunes, anything. It it means so much to us that you guys do that. So until next time, comics are good, and so are you.